All right, so I'm going to get into my teaching stuff. We're going to do one more month <clears throat> from this book. It's called Core 52. It's a devotional, 52 weeks, 52 themes in the Bible. Each week is like four pages, and there's um, uh, like an essay and some extra Bible um, references and life application um, things like that. So if you want to pick one up, just take one there on the other side of the, um, of the welcome counter out there. We'd love for you to have it. Walk through it. We've got one more month where we've been walking through it. Most of last year's stuff covered a theme each time. Uh, today's theme is, is radical change from, from, the, uh, from the book. So it's on page 284 in, in uh, Core 52. All right, so I'm going to, as we talk about radical change, talk about getting the year started off right, New Year's when you start to think about making those changes, right, like we talk about every year. And uh, I want to start by reading to you uh, from John chapter 2, uh, come charging out of the gates with this miracle that is synonymous with change. It's one of Jesus' loudest, most obnoxious, uh, fun miracles. So I'm going to read it to you, and then we'll actually have you pull out your Bibles in a little bit, and we'll go, we'll walk through some things. We'll slow walk some things, all right? So it says, on the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman! I just love that because that's in the Bible, so we can use that. <laughs> Why do you involve me? My hour has not come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Isn't that great? <laughs> like, even, even, even Jesus gets trumped by his mom. Nearby stood six, Joan, six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. So these are big jars. So we're talking about like potential for 180 gallons of water. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. And he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first. And then the cheaper wine when the guests have had too much to drink. But you've saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory. And his disciples believed in him. So you have this miracle that, I mean, it was a significant thing. <clears throat> to run out of wine in terms of like um, your family's name. It would have been embarrassing. It would have been humiliating. It was, you know, social travesty. But it's not like anybody was dying. But Jesus steps into this situation because he was involved. Like, why do you involve me? Okay, he was involved in the situation. And he creates from water... 180 
gallons of incredible choice wine. And I think that there's, there's just so much incredible symbolism there in that it's the beginning of his it's the first thing he does. He's new on the scene. And essentially, Jesus is involved. And then he transforms the ordinary into the extraordinary. Jesus is involved. There's a problem. Jesus is involved, and he transforms the ordinary into the extraordinary. And it wasn't just like, hey, fill up one of those jars. Now you got, you know, 20 to 30 gallons of drinkable wine. It was, you're going to get 180 gallons of incredible wine. So you see all the, the symbolism that, that's, that's packed into that? Like that was a significant moment when Jesus was involved. Jesus came to transform the old into something new. He came to bring radical change. And I see him still doing that in my life and in the lives of many other people who will involve him in their lives. He can do that for you as well. Now, when I think about like just real-time radical change, um, I can't help but think about Polaris. It's 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 interesting to me that this you know I didn't plan it this way, but this is the topic that that we, you know the, the the renovations in this room are finally done for the most part, and we're talking about radical change because there's been some radical transformation in this building over the past couple months. Uh, but it started way before then. I think this is important because, because it really started 13, 14 years ago. Like I may have, I, 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 you know, I've told Kelly and other people, I, I've, I've come in this room, like I just come in here over the past couple weeks and turn the lights on and I just sit. Just sit like this. I close the door so that nobody can see me and just sit. But like I, I never thought that I, in, you know, in, in my 40s, I thought maybe, you know, 10 years from now when I'm really thinking about Hilton Head um, uh, might get some new improvements or things like that. But I really never thought that, that I, that I um, but it started uh, earlier. It was, you know, 2009 when I was associate pastor and, and Polaris, had, we, we really, we lost our identity. And as we reached out to God, uh, we may have wanted growth and <clears throat> financial stability and, and a nice facility and things like that. Um, that's what we may have asked God for, but, but really the, the transformation started with the heart. Because, you know, and I can only speak for myself, when, when I think about, you know, Alex Poindexter 13 years ago and some of the other leadership as well, um, Polaris was a church about Polaris. Um, I thought primarily about you know, volunteers helping Polaris and finances helping Polaris. We didn't give money outwardly to anything. Send $45,000 out of the country, out of our, we got too much we can get done here with that. Um, with kids, like when I think about kids, like I knew children's ministry was important, but it was mainly because you got to keep the parents happy because that's what benefits the organization. Um, not that our, you know, our, our, our children's workers didn't think that. Our, all our staff didn't think that. But, but there were some radical heart changes 
that needed to take place. And so the early work of radical transformation, like I can look at this and say, wow, we get a nice facility with carpet that really ties the room together. Um, but it started 13 years ago, and it started with very painful inward transformation. I say that because some of you, and myself included, you know, a lot of times we see the things we don't like in our life, and we may want God to fix it. Like, I, I want to, you know, why can't I just, like the water into wine, just, it's just, but it usually starts in other areas that represent, like, you know, below the tip of the iceberg, very painful, long time inner transformation. So keep that in mind. And what I'd love for you to do is to pull out a Bible from under the chair in front of you. I, um, I like for everybody to, so that then if somebody's brand new, they don't feel like they're standing out and trying to experiment, flipping through pages and things like that. We're all in this together if everybody does that. So, um, and if you don't have a Bible at home that you can easily read, just take one of those with you. We'd love for you to have that as a gift. We've got plenty more to, to replenish. I'm going to be in John chapter 5. <clears throat> it's on page 1067. 1067. There are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They are the biographies of Jesus. And um, uh, the, the books of the Bible are divided up into chapters and verses. Chapters are the big numbers. Verses are the little numbers. And so we're in the Gospel of John. Now John, uh, you know, in John chapter 2 we read... Um, Water into wine, major transformation. John chapter 3, Jesus talks with the religious leader about rebirth and blows his mind in terms of categories and, and, and what spiritual growth is all about. Transforms Nicodemus' mind and his thinking. Uh, John chapter 4, Jesus blows open categories of gender and race as he talks to a Samaritan woman at the well. So there's these themes of radical transformation, radical change. John just, you know, with each new chapter, um, we, we find a new theme of transformation. And so we get to John chapter 5. There's incredible symbolism in this particular passage of Scripture. Okay, so I'm going to start in verse 1. Sometime later... Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. So John builds his gospel around a lot of the feasts. There were feasts in the calendar year, seven major feasts where the Jews would many many of the Jews would try to get back to Jerusalem uh, during these feasts. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. So now we're going to see the symbolism unfold. So what was the, what was the guy's problem? He was paralyzed. He was stuck. Okay, he was literally stuck. He couldn't move. And he was laying in the same place, stuck for years. Have you ever felt stuck in life? 
There's all kinds of places in life where we can get stuck. Uh, we get stuck relationally. We get stuck spiritually. We get stuck financially. Phil's going to help you out of that mess uh, later this month. We get, we get stuck. And we realize that for years even, or for seasons, we just can't seem to make the changes required to get ourselves unstuck. So this is a passage about being stuck, being paralyzed. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Silly question seems, but it's there for a reason. Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Now, that's, talk about symbolism there. You're stuck. Do you want help? Well, yeah, but they're doing that, and they're doing that, and no one's... Uh... See, what he does there is it's all about other people, and uh, they, they, I... focuses outward. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. <clears throat> now, lots of symbolism here. Um, first of all, uh, in terms of what's he doing by a pool, well, it was believed back then that this one pool, and I've, I've been there um, when I visited Jerusalem, I can see it uh, right outside there of St. Anne's Church. Um, it was filled with water and it was believed that when the water stirred, First one in would get healed. Now, archaeologists believe that there was, they believe like the angel's wings stirred the water back in the ancient world. And, and, um, and archaeologists say there was a drainage system that would have stirred the water. In it. But you can almost picture like with the, I mean, placebo is a real thing. So you picture somebody maybe with some kind of a, you know, shoulder pain or whatever. And it was really just from stress, psychosomatic, whatever stuff. And they were down in the water when it stirred. And, and then they, you know, the placebo effect kicked in and they felt like it healed their pain and then everybody wanted in and now you got guys like this who like legit were paralyzed. That water's not going to do them any good. They're looking for healing in the wrong place. So there's some incredible symbolism there and in that, in that there's, there's these people laying around with very real issues in life, very real health problems in life and they're looking for healing and change in the wrong place. So we have to look at ourselves and say, in the places that we're stuck, maybe we are categorically looking for help and healing in all the wrong places. I mean, I, you know, you think about some of the shallow things, like <clears throat> my own stuff. When I'm all emotional and frustrated or angry or sad or whatever, I generally look for healing with mozzarella sticks and sausage egg McMuffins, <clears throat> which is why I'm stuck at 220. <clears throat> but can food really help that? No, and we know it can't. We still do it. But then you go to things like excessive alcohol or pornography or shopping. I mean, is the Amazon button really going to take your problems away? But we look there. And we stay stuck. Or, you know, the promotion, the success at work, maybe religion, the sit, stand, kneel, 
um, sort of going through the motions of faith, um, acceptance in social circles. Um, you know, these days it's become Instagram likes and things like that. There's all kinds of place, but it's, it's almost cliche that the symbolism in this miracle that he's out there trying to find his healing in this pool from angels stirring their wings. He's in the wrong place. But Jesus gets involved, and then there's radical change, and then there's that million-dollar question he asks. Man, do you want to get well? And it's important to realize that, that um, in the ancient, you know, when they're writing these scriptures, um, every inch of parchment was, was, it was scarce. It was, it was crucial that they only fit in the things that they, the details that they wanted there. Because also, people used memory. <clears throat> Not everybody could read and write. Very few could. So they memorized all this stuff. So if there's a detail in a story, it's there for a reason. And we find this man who is legit paralyzed, and Jesus says, do you want to get well? And I think that's, that's for us. Because the truth is, a lot of us are stuck in places in life because ultimately we don't want to get well. We maybe want the wellness, or we want the fix, but we don't really want to do the work or to submit in ways necessary to get well. I mean, I think about, like, Phil, what you're going to go through in Financial Peace University. That's going to require some things that, like, do you really want healthy finances? Um, and you apply that on downline. Also remember, <clears throat> let's not forget that when this man got his healing, he jumped up into a life of peasant poverty, almost certainly. Like, it wasn't like Jesus handed him a, here's a duffel bag of cash, and here's a royal title and some land. It's like he jumped up and then entered into, most certainly, a very difficult life. So don't think that God fixes you and it means that you have all the things, because whatever life you're struggling through right now, is probably paradise compared to the life that that man began after he got his healing from God. So let's, um, I want to talk real life for a minute. <clears throat> I have seen Jesus get involved. I've seen people invite Jesus into their life. I mean, I've experienced it on my own, but what's more important for you is, is I've, I've seen people who, um, you know, I was, I was ditching prom to, to read Bible archaeology magazines, okay? I, like, I was that kid. But I see people at Polaris who represent sort of grown people, radical change from who they were to something new because they involved Jesus. So I'm going to let you watch a video from Meg Trebenner. Hi, Meg. Um, and with joy, I asked Meg, hey, can you maybe do a little video about the changes you've seen Jesus make in your life? And, and she was, um, with joy, uh, excited to share her story. So take a look at, at Meg's uh, story. 
Hi, good morning, Polaris. Uh, my name is Meg Trebenter, and my family and I have been attending Polaris since October of 2020. Um, so we're fairly new, and I'm really excited to get to talk to you guys a little bit about my journey uh, with Jesus. Um, so before finding Jesus, um, I would kind of consider it almost kind of like stumbling through life a little bit. Um, never really like planting a seed anywhere um, and just kind of feeling like a kind of a pit right? Um, that I can kind of explain is kind of feeling alone and feeling like there's something missing. Um, and I can kind of explain that because I know that that's not there anymore. Um, I can feel that I'm not alone anymore. Um, I don't have that loneliness that I did before. Um, and, um, I think I started feeling that right as soon as I started to become, um, family at Polaris. Um, as soon as I started to start to come to Bible study with everybody and meet my awesome sisters in Christ and really connect with the church, um, something that I never did or never had growing up. Um, and that I've been really open about, you know, with all of the people that I've met, you know, since starting to come to Polaris. Um, and I've just seen it work in our family and work in my marriage and work in our daughter. Um, I just see him working in all of us. Um, just seeing like the positivity that's come into our house and into our lives through um, the amazing people um, that just flood us all the time and the support that we have and just the support that um, Jesus has given us to give to other people um, that we're able to give to other people now that we didn't have before, um, whether that's financial means or energy, um, things that we never thought that we were capable of before. Um, you know, the I'm so grateful and so happy to be a preschool teacher on Sundays. Um, something that I never would have thought that I would have been capable of or something that I would have ever enjoyed. Um, it's something that I don't know how I would be able to live without now. Um, it's just something that he's called me to do. And, you know, it's really... It's really powerful to see the things that Jesus does in your life that you don't even ask him for. He just knows you because because um, he does. Um, and, you know, you invite him in and it's, you know, it's just a really cool thing that you don't even have to know what to ask of Jesus. He just knows what you need in your life and you just have to be there and be accepting of him and um, his relationship with you um, and know that he loves you and your family um, and he will always be there for you and that is a really powerful thing and um, it's just it's just really cool to be able to share that with you and I'm just so grateful for our community and um god bless all of you thank you so much so there are many thank you meg by the way uh there are many people at polaris who would share that story and what i'd like for you to to, to just think through is, is that can you identify with the before and do you have the after and if you haven't experienced um the change that jesus can bring if you involve him i hope you'll consider Meg's words, and I, and I can tell you that there's just, just there's a lot of people at Polaris who, who can identify with what she's saying, and that's so rewarding for me. Uh, the issue is involving 
Jesus. And mainly what I want to do this morning is just to get you thinking about that. I want the mindset of I can involve Jesus and he can bring real change. So I'm going to close with two quick scriptures. And as you think about 2023, maybe one of these just you need to take a picture of and write down on a card and, and, and kind of keep before you. The first one is Philippians 3.13. And this is one that I memorized when I was in high school. I, I just wrote out an index card and I memorized it because I needed it. And uh, essentially, Paul says, one thing I do, one thing I know. One thing. One thing. I forget what's behind, and I press on toward the future. I forget what's behind. And so some of you maybe in your radical change need to accept uh, the gift that Jesus has given you and that the scriptures say that Jesus died on the cross to pay your death penalty for you. Because he wants you to understand that you are forgiven through him. And so as you make these changes and as you invite change into your life, you're not doing that in order to gain friendship with God. You're doing that because you have been forgiven up front. And so God gives you the permission to say every day, in any given moment, I'm forgetting yesterday. God gives you the permission and the gift to forget about yesterday and press on toward the future. And some of you maybe just need to release yourself from the sins of the past because you're stuck, because you just can't get over who you were and see yourself the way God sees you. And so as the band comes on up, we're going to do one more scripture. Uh, and this, this may be your uh, mantra for 2023. And it's 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. God offers you the opportunity to become a new creation with the old gone. And if you want that, you involve Jesus and that's the kind of work that he does in your life. Now remember, the man had to pick up his mat. The workers had to fill and move the stone jars. There was work for each of them to do. But Jesus did the transforming. The question for you today is, do you want to get well?